Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome back to Hawks Insiders, the first of our summer specials. A few hot button talking points that we're going to uh, thrash around between us over the next few weeks during the downtime before pre-season training resumes again and our spaces pick up at the uh, start of February. So uh, I don't know what you guys will be talking about over your Christmas functions. What we're talking about here uh, to start with are the five players we're most looking forward to watching or that we think will step up in 2023. Joining me are two of my co-hosts here at Hawks Insiders. Danny Prince, hello. Ash, good to be here. Good to um, spitball and talk about some of the things that, you know, really get fans excited this time of year as we wait in anticipation for uh, round one, 2023. And sounding very professional with your new podcast gear. So well done to you while the rest of us hack away at our basic AirPods and what have you. Darren Levine, hello. Hey, Ash. And yeah, we'll, we'll level up at some point. Um, maybe maybe Santa will bring us a nice bit of podcast gear. Yeah. But um. Yeah, you've been, have you been a good boy, Ash, this year? Uh, well, uh, it's a lot of subjective, but uh, according to some, yes, according to others, no. But uh, we'll make it through to the end of the year and let others be the judge and we, we will next year. And looking forward to the holiday. It's been a long year and a lot of fronts, so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, getting to beat at some stage and uh, reading a couple of books that aren't to do with football, which will be very nice. Okay, so I've given tasked you guys with this homework of the five of the players you're Looking forward to watching next year, stepping up or improve what, what have you. It's a fairly wide brief. Danny, as always, you've been very diligent with this, so you, you get started. Uh, who's your first player? Yeah, okay. So my first one, and look, I think there's a theme throughout all of them. I'm sure Daz would be the same. Um, my first player probably is a little bit outside that theme. It's Will Day. Um, and it's Will Day for a number of reasons because I still think pound for pound, he's the most talented player we have on our list. Um, I think he has the most potential and the highest upside and I think he could legitimately be a superstar of the competition if he can get all things right and um, I just those the types of players that have the skills and the attributes that will they have just don't grow on trees so I'm just I'm super excited to hear that he's training injury free to hear that he's training with the midfield group um, to hear that Sam plans to play him through the midfield this this coming season and Will Day for me just has, I don't know, he captured my heart when he first played and and, and it hasn't stopped and it hasn't abated. So uh, I'm ready to, um, for everybody to jump back on the Will Day train. And um, yeah, that I just think he's going to, he's going to uh, absolutely go gangbusters next season. Des, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, he's, he's not on my list, but I think it's a great call, Danny. I think he's probably not on my list because in a lot of ways, he's sort of a forgotten man. He's been, Lost in all the draft hype and um, the hype around our sort of second-year players as well with the emergence of Connor McDonald and Josh Ward. And, uh, you know, um, he's just kind of flown under the radar a little bit. We didn't see a lot of him last year and uh, this year. And I, I honestly think I agree. Like, I think he's primed to have a massive season next year. If he stays healthy, um, the sky's the limit for Will. I think I agree. He's, he's just got the vision and the talent and the leadership and the, and the decision-making um, that could work in, in numerous positions. And we'd just absolutely love to see him actually um, play in that midfield, uh, especially given he is a few years into the system now and we probably do need a bit of, a bit of experience in there. So you averaged 16 disposals last season. 
did young Will uh, coming off uh, through 17 games after 19, nearly 20 disposals a game through five games in 2021, but obviously a, a majorly injured year. But uh, do you see him, uh, Danny, as a, as a midfielder or, or part of that halfback mix? No, I think he'll rotate off halfback, but I think eventually he becomes a midfielder. And I think this is the year they um, they make the transition. Look, we, we know what he can do when he's behind the ball. Uh, we know how good he is at reading the ball in in flight and uh, his intercepting. Uh, but we've got a lot of those types of players. I think um, you can't play, you know, all of them at the same time. Um, and if we want to inter- inject the Cam McKenzie's, the Henry Hussweights and those sorts of players um, over the course of this year as well, they're not going to start in the middle. They're going to start behind the ball on a halfback flank. So we need to find, um, move these key operators out of those spaces and into other roles. So I think I think we'll see uh, Will Day on a wing, and I think that that's exciting. And I'll see, I think we'll see him roll through the middle of the ground as well. And um, I think he needs to be aiming for sort of 24 to 26 touches a game, I think should be an aim for Will. I think that's um, that's a tough jump because it's sort of eight or nine more than what he's current, what he got last year. But I think it's achievable if he's fit and firing him. You know, we keep in mind the, um, the fact that, you know, Will had a bit of a slower start to, to last last year and, and interrupted again. If he can put together a full um, uninterrupted season, I think the sky's the limit for the output from uh, from Day and um, his ball use off both feet, uh, his ability to weave in and out of traffic, um, you know, that that poise. Uh, he's, a, he's a very unique player and we don't have a lot of uh, players like him on the list. So uh, really excited to see how he transitions and, um, and, yeah, hopefully he can get sort of 60% midfield time this year. One player that, you know, the, the, the media talk about Hawthorne players uh, that are exciting, objectively exciting, is Will Day. There's a lot of hype in the competition around Will Day, not just Hawthorne supporters, you know, a bit biased and, you know, we watch him play. Will Day is generally a player that a lot of people in football think has got a grader written all over him. So the fourth year in, I think it's probably the, it's probably the year that he takes that next step. You know, he's the sort of player that we'd like to think would be in the top 50 players in the competition in 12 months' time. And, you know, he has a really good year as a sort of player who could be on the fringe of the, the All-Australian 40-player squad if he plays up to that potential. So I think that's the exciting factor for him going into the season. Okay, Daz, who's number one on your list? Number one on my list, and I don't think I really did this list in order, but but definitely Conor McDonald's up there. And I think as far as the first season goes, you, you, you can't get much better or more consistent than... 20 games. Um, it's something I didn't see coming at all. I think a lot of us were actually quite disappointed or shocked when he was drafted ahead of the likes of Tyler Sonzi um, in that second round. And, you know, he's he's just shown so much in his first year that I'm, I, I really, he's a bit of a, a wild card as to where he'll play. Next year, he was drafted as a midfielder, but played a lot of time um, in forward line, I think, just as his body develops. And um, I think he probably will play a lot of minutes up forward, but could be rotated through the midfield a bit more as his body develops. Um, has an eye for goal, has incredible hands. I think he's just so slick with his with his hands. Uh, it's an important link in the chain and um, set up a lot of great attacks for us through the year. Um, has vision. Um, I think he's got all the skills um, to actually cement a spot in the side. And he'll get a lot of competition from places, for places from some of the 
from some of the rookies trying to make it through. So, yeah, Connor McDonald is definitely up there for my ones to watch uh, for next year. Ready? Yeah, he was on my list too, actually. He was the, he was the next cab off the rank. So, um, yeah, I, absolutely everything Daz just said, I agree with. Um, he came in and like, like Daz said, he most supporters were thinking, oh, we've missed out on Tyler Sonzi here and, um, and we've got this guy that, yeah, all right, I think Carlton were really keen with the next pick. But, um, you know... I always saw him and I did a bit of research on him um, in his draft year. And I always saw him as a very good accumulator of the football, but maybe one that didn't have the upside and the tricks. And I think he proved me wrong in his first couple of outings of, at AFL level. He's, I think, I think Darren, you might've mentioned it. He's got this ability to be really slippery when he has the ball in hand, the way he moves, the, the fluidity of his, of his body. Um, his hands are phenomenal in close and in a contest. Uh, he does have an eye for goal. And, and I think, you know, we know he knows how to win the football, you know, his junior years, he was averaging 30 touches a game uh, at NAB league level and, and almost that in the, in the, in the rep games that he played as well. So um I'd expect him over the next couple of years to to make that transition fairly easily into Hawthorne's midfield. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing 30 or 40% through the middle in uh, 2023. I think, um, you know, one of the, one of the players along with Will Day, who the sky's the limit for, and um, you know, we came into the year last year thinking how good's it going to be to see Josh Ward. And I, I kind of think that, most people came away from the season, rightly or wrongly, more excited about the potential of Connor McDonald than they did about our number seven draft pick, which I don't think says anything about Josh Ward because um, because he had a couple of cracking games and uh, and one in particular. Um, but it just said something about maybe the lower expectations that we had as a fan base on Connor McDonald and how he just blew those expectations out of the water. Uh, so I'm really excited about um, what kind of does and what strings he adds to his bow in order to make himself or take his game to the next level. He's got that Dylan Moore trait of loving a goal. One thing I've noticed about him, he likes kicking a goal. His first year, he'll be a different sort of player. I'm a competitive player. But his first year reminded me a little bit of Jordan Lewis's first year in that he sort of stepped in um, and looked very comfortable at the level. I mean, Lewis was a number seven pick and McDonald was what, mid-20s or something. But he looked very comfortable at the level from the start. And I reckon he's got three to five years ahead of him where he's going to be chronically and perhaps criminally underrated by people outside Hawthorne. But we're going to, if we haven't already, I think Hawthorne people will very quickly work out his value and his importance to the side. And, you know, I'm intrigued to see how he goes as a, a second-year player. Uh, a couple of picks I've seen, he looks a bit bigger. Um, I haven't been to training at this stage. So I, don't, I can't make any absolute observations, but... He'll be walk-up start, 18, not even 20, best 23, but best 18 in round one. They'll just find a spot for him in the in the, in the starting 18 somewhere. Um, he'll be, yeah, he'll, so he'll be a, you know, he's got leader, he's got future leader uh, uh, stamped all over him as well. It's a very long-term player for footy club, so a very good piece of recruiting from the club to get him in. He should have had a Rising Star nomination. I mean, the problem with the Rising Star is, is that you, know, you play a couple of good games, you play one good game and they can get your nomination. Hawthorne discovered that to its peril over the last few years. I think Brad's favourite player might have got a nomination for kicking four goals in his only good game against Hawthorne last year. But uh, 
McDonald didn't get rewarded for a really consistent body of work over the course of the season with a, a late season nomination, which I think was a bit disappointing. I've always said with the rising star, it should be 21 per round and they should actually do a catch-up. They should make it a field of 30 and actually give five players, uh, three to five players at the end of the year, they should get nominations just for all-round consistency. And for, you know, his figures, he played 20 games. On 20 games in a team like that and with, with his body of work, it should have been rising star nomination. It's a an indictment on the system. He didn't get it. Okay, Danny, your next player. Yeah, so my next player is coming um, out of zero surprise to anybody. I think it's uh, Josh Weddle. Um, I think the only surprise with Josh Weddle was that we actually traded up to get him. And I remember sitting there breaking it down with Daz after the the first night of the draft going, who the heck is this guy? And and why have we drafted another key defender when all, you know, that's the one area of the ground that we're actually covered. And then you heard Mark McKenzie come out and Sam Mitchell come out and say, no, 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 we understand that he played as a key defender in his last, in his draft year, but we actually see him um, as a real utility. And I think Mitchell used the uh, Blixarves comparison, uh, which, you know, in terms of the ability to play multiple roles is just an unreal comparison. And, um, you know, you hear the reports come out of training that he smashed the interval training and left Finn in his dust and uh, went over to him and made sure Finn was okay because Finn was struggling, hunched over, you know, possibly about to hurl. And you just think this 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 kid's a, a freak of a modern prototype footballer, 192 centimetres, um, can play as a lockdown defender if you need him to. Um, you know, we have designs to play him through the midfield and on the wing. And, you know, his pace and his power and his speed and his endurance is, is elite. So um, if he can kick the footy, if he can find the footy, my word, we've got um, just a real, real excitement machine that I think Hawks fans are going to absolutely love to watch in the coming years. And I think, Ash, I think you called this really early. You think he'll be in our, um, our, our first 22 come round one, I believe. So uh, we may not have to wait too long to be able to see him. He'll play round one, provided he gets to the preseason. I think, you know, I don't see the benefit for, with the sort of roles with Weddle. He's such a fast developer in the growth spurt and, and his improvement over his, in his, his uh, under 18 year that I just think that put him in the side and let him learn to become an AFL footballer. I'm not sure he's one of those guys who's going to game up from playing at Box Hill, just this gut feel I've got. I just think he's an AFL footballer and I'm at the rough edges on the MCG and the BSC round two against the Swans, you know, put him up, you know, put him up against, you know, let him run with Isaac Heaney or someone like that for a, for a period of time and um, see what happens. So I, I just think it's, uh, I, I think he's going to play. But Mitchell hasn't been, one thing I say, Mitchell hasn't been shy to say how excited he is, he was to get him and about how his expectations, what was the line if we, our dream at the end of the first night was to have McKenzie and Weddle. That, that would be a 10 out of 10 first night of the draft for us. Well, they did that. So I think, and Weddle sounded like he'd been worded up by Hawthorne because he's also subsequently said how thrilled. That was his first choice to go to Hawthorne because Hawthorne had sold him on their vision for him to, to what they were going to bring out for him. So I think for a number of reasons, that's that's the cause for excitement with Weddle. I'm, I've got to say that... Uh, his way, you know, if I was doing, if I was doing this as well, he'd be. I'm absolutely intrigued by him. He's a player when I get around to watching a, a bit of training in the new year, 
he's a player I'll be really intrigued to see how he goes because um, I just think yeah Mitchell the coach is in love with him already so and I yeah I, I spoke to him briefly the day after at the AFL media event they put out for all the first round picks and he's also I think he's got that gregarious personality I think he'll I think he, players will gravitate towards him and I think he'll be one of the the, the alpha males of the team before too long so I just think there's a, there's a lot to like and a lot to be Excited by, but he's Roy. He'll have some bad games. He'll have a couple of games where he'll get six touches, and we'll think, "What the hell are they doing?" But uh, he sort of strikes me even the bad games, um, he'll learn from pretty quickly. Das. Yeah, I had <laughs> I had Josh Weber as well, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mitch Lewis. I think um, we all saw what Mitch is capable of uh, this year, and he. <laughs> In his prime, and, and and when he was really motoring along, there were a few uh, talls better than him in the competition. I think he kicked two bags of five. Um, there were three or so sets of four, um, and he he just every 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 game that we you know every unexpected win, like the, the game against Port and the game against the Lions, he was instrumental in. Um, and him staying fit is really. Um, the key to to us progressing as a unit. Um, he's the main man up forward, and uh, it's just really injury that hampered him, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be exciting to to think about Carl Amon coming into the side with his incredible ball use, um, and I think delivery into the forward fifty. I think is something that's that's been lacking um, in this Hawthorne team for the past few years. So. The Amon Mitchell connection is going to be really, really interesting to watch. I think with um, Mitch Lewis, he certainly, I mean, the, the hype this time last year is he'd come back from uh, summer looking in really good nick. I think there was a picture that went around on social where he looked in beast mode, I think, at one stage. I think Hawks and Siders might have had a bit of fun with that one as well. But he lived up the hype. Uh, he averaged 2.47 goals a game for the season. At one stage, he was tracking, you know, in the, when he was playing, the first half of the season, he was, you know, he was in the common medal discussions because he's, he, he was kicking big bags of goals. So I think he's a player that um, he owns. It's his forward line now. We thought it would be a, a battle between him and Kaczynski with the number one forward in 2022. Well, Mitch Lewis won that race hands down. That, that was over after four or five weeks of that competition. And now just uh, he's got he's back it up. We all want to see whether he can back it up again this season. Um, but he's absolutely the player that can build the forward line around Danny. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think there's two there's two things that that maybe prevented him from going on and, and being in that Coleman race. The first thing was uh, was obviously injury, and he he's had injury troubles his whole whole career, Mitch. And we we hope that. Uh, that, that they're in the past and, you know, he can get a full run of 22, 23 games, whatever it is next year um, without injury. And if he does, I think he'll be right up there with the Harry Mackays and the uh, was going to be Max King, maybe not anymore. Um, but those types of guys, um, you know, at the front of the Coleman race, I think the second thing that he needs is he needs um, Cozzy to have a good year next year as well, because if there is no Gunston, and if Cozzy has a down year, teams are going to put a hell of a lot more work into Lewis, knowing that he's the only one that they need to stop. So it actually makes sense for Mitch Lewis to have another great year and improve on the year that he had this year. He needs Jacob Kaczynski to take a big step up and at least command the attention of his own defender so that his own defender doesn't 
feel like he can just peel off and impact a Lewis contest. So I think that that's the, one of the biggest things is, you know, key forwards generally work best when they work in pairs. Uh, we saw that with Franklin and Roughhead. You see it with now with Kurnow and Mackay. Um, you know, there's plenty of examples across the years um, when there's, when there's one foiling for the other. So we don't need Kozitski to be a world beater, but if we want Lewis to really shine, we need him to be able to hold his own. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. What about the time-honoured uh, Lewis-Jekka combination could be? Well, it could be if they decide to move uh, Jekka back to forward. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens, actually. I think <clears throat> right now I don't really see a, a, a spot for Jekka in any lineup um, just with the, the, the setup that we have. Um, but I think if he was going to get a spot, I think going back to his form in 2021 under Mitchell at, as Box Hill coach um, at VFL, that's when I, when I and most Hawks supporters thought if Jekka's going to make it, he's going to make it as a centre-half forward. So, um, yeah, that'll be one to watch over the preseason to see firstly where they, where these guys all train and if they're training with the mids, the forwards or the backs. And, um, and then, you know, coming into the early parts of the year, who Lewis's partner is because he needs a good one in order for him to perform at his, to the best of his ability. All right. Danny, you're, you're next as well. Yeah. So the next player on my list is, uh, is Cooper Stevens and he's a late bolter for this list um, based on, the comments of Sam Mitchell at the AGM. And I think, um, I think we were all a little bit excited when we were linked with him on, I think it was deadline day morning uh, of the trade period. And, um, and I'd done a little bit of work into him in his draft year and he was one I liked um, very tall, big bodied, um, tough inside midfielder who had the ability to get first hands on the football. And as it's an area of the field that we've really struggled with, even with the likes of, um, Tom Mitchell and Jager O'Meara in the last couple of years is we, we lose out in the contest too often. So um, it made sense to, you know, target a player who has great skills in that area, but um, may not be getting a game because the midfield that's in front of him is, you know, a premiership winning midfield. So um, yeah, I, I think I was already excited at that stage, but uh, then hearing that, that Mitchell had, targeted him specifically and had been working on him for some time in the hope of getting him in 12 months time, but we're going to get him 12 months earlier than they anticipated or had hoped for. Um, That makes me really excited because, you know, I know Sam's the head coach, but you'd you'd expect that he'd be investing some one-on-one time in Cooper if he sees something that he really likes. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just think if, if a coach is saying, go out and get that player. And that coach is as smart as we know Sam Mitchell is. There's a reason that they want that player. And, and, and I think, you know, that probably puts Cooper Stevens right on par as a, as a potential um, starting 22 player for next year. Um, you know, he got games in a midfield this year at the Cats that was, you know, streets better than our midfield is currently. So uh, there's nothing stopping him from uh, taking a midfield role, maybe even in the starting centre square um, come the first bounce on round at round one. We're concerned, though, that the Giants went out and got Tanner Bruin rather than the next... Knowing that Stoke and Luce Hellwoods, there's, you know, a spot there in midfield going potentially. They went and got Tanner Bruin and even Jack Bowles. I know Bowles are probably more about the number seven pick than the player himself. 
They weren't quite ready to anoint him as next man up. Yeah, not not really. Um, I think I think Tanner Brun um, was always coming home to Victoria, and you know, being a Colac kid, I think you know Geelong Geelong is is very very blessed to have a great catchment area to be far enough away from Melbourne that if players from their area want to come back to Victoria, they ultimately want to come back to Geelong. And I think really what it was was. Um, we've got these opportunities. We need to bring in these players. It's not because we don't rate the players we already have on our list, but it's just because these opportunities don't come around all the time. So you have to grab them when they do. And um, I think if you ask anybody at Geelong, uh, they didn't want Cooper Stevens to go anywhere. They definitely wanted him to stay and be part of the nucleus of their, their regenerated midfield um, with the likes of, you know, Jai Clark and um, yeah. And, and Tanner Brune and, and those guys and Max Holmes and, and the like. Um, but now uh, Mitch Nevitt, the other one, but you know, they're not going to get that opportunity, and I think I think the proof is that he played that he played a you know half a dozen games in in a side which ultimately won the premiership last season um, is is proof enough that they rated him because uh, I mean we know how Clarkson was when we were in our, our prime and we were contending for premierships. Games aren't given, you know, they're not given when you're when you're contending. So he's earned those games, and if you look at his VFL form, he averaged sort of twenty four, twenty five touches. Lots of clearances, lots of tackles. Um, that's the sort of player we we need in the coalface. Um, hopefully, getting first hands on the footy along with uh, Jai Newcomb next year. Yes, who's next on your list? Yeah, next on my list is um, another recruit, um, and it's Lloyd Meek. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see him work in tandem with Ned Reeves. I think it's a bit of the yin to the yang that we were expecting from. Max Lynch, which, you know, we just know how how much of a horror run he had last year with bizarre injuries and, and real injuries as well. Um, you know, the fact that I think 10 clubs wanted Meek says a lot about how much of a sought-after young... Sam Mitchell young. said that 10 clubs wanted Meek. We don't know oh, for sure. Sam Mitchell would never lie to us or the media, would he? Um, but I think he was... There was a lot of talk around Meek leaving in a lot of clubs that were... On, on the record as being interested, weren't there? And I think... I'll um, tell you a story about Meek. I'll, 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 I'll name the club now. I've hinted at it on the, uh, on the spaces. West Coast, who watched him play all the time because he was playing in the Waffle, really wanted to get him. And West Coast were trying to work out how to get him to the club because they'd seen enough of him to think that he's a really good player and just being kept out by an equally good player in Sean Darcy. And um, they couldn't work out the deal. In the end, they decide, I think the other thing with West Coast, I think they're hedging their bets a little bit to, I think they're hoping to get Tim English back in a couple of years as a free agent. And that was another reason why in the end, they probably didn't go really hard at Meek, but they but they, they love him. And um, someone I know who works for West Coast, as soon as the deal was done, sent me a text saying, we really like him. We're hoping to find a way get to our club. We watch him play for in the waffle all the time and you've got a player. So yeah, I'm excited. If, if I, my head's just about top of my list, making in play, I'll intrigued about watching next year. Yeah. And uh, didn't he win the best and fairest for, for Peel Thunder as well? I mean, I, I think, you know, young, ready, ready-made Ruckman are, are pretty, pretty hard to find. Um, and I think we really needed, uh, you know, after big boys, we really needed a player to, to step in there and, and be the foil to Reeves and challenge him as well. Um, it frees up Cozzy 
and as Prinzi said, like, you know, Cosie's form is going to be crucial to Mitch Lewis's form, which, you know, then impacts our entire forward line. I don't want to see Cosie in the rock next year. I just think he's got to have a, a proper crack at it in the forward line. So Mick solves a lot of a lot of problems for us. Um, and I think he's going to be a terrific player. I think he's actually, um, he, just from the interviews as well, it just seems like a real calming sort of character, a calming presence. Um, and I just just love love the way he speaks as well. Um, and he seems so excited to be at the club. I think my daughter um, had a had a bit of an impromptu interview with him at the open training the other day. And um, he said that he's, he's way more excited to be at Hawthorne. Maybe it's because he was just talking to her, but he said he's way more excited to be at Hawthorne than he was at Freo. So take, take of that what you will. People who think Hawthorne will be sneakily better than uh, expected next year point to a couple of areas. As I said, the ruck will be an enormous difference. Hawthorne was pretty much, it was McAvoy, as much as we love him, who was gone, but he had to do a lot of the rucking over the course of the season because it didn't have much else going around. Lynch was always injured. How well did Hawthorne play against Geelong in round five when Rees was dominating? So you like the thing, and once Reeves hurt his shoulder, he know came back later in the year, but he was okay. But he was, he was pretty scratchy for the rest of the year. He was, you know, he was clearly not close hundred percent fit. So you could argue the Hawthorne after round five did not have really have effective rucks. The next season the potential having two effective rucks every week, and they could come up with a like be able to devise a way to to have Meek and Reeves. You think it'd be the starting two ruckmen at this stage, but if it doesn't work out, you've got Lynch who's more than adequate third ruckman to come in and replace them. So if there's an argument why Hawthorne mightn't be as bad as people thought, it's because they actually they're going to have competitive rucks all through the season. Yeah, and then you've got Matt Ramston as well, sort of knocking down the door for a debut. I mean, he still looks so raw and he's got a lot of work to do to get his body right for for, for playing um, a, a serious amount of games. But, you know, it, it, that competition for places in, in the ruck department is not something that we've seen for a long time. So, um, yeah, Mick is a terrific signing and just really excited to see how, how he goes and how he transforms both the midfield and the forward line. Danny, who's next? Yeah, so my next one is um, maybe slightly left field, um, <clears throat> but I'm really excited for a uh, return to full fitness and form of Lockie Bramble. Um, Maybe I'm a bit higher on Bramble than than most, but um, I, I see I see something in Bramble that I don't see in a lot of AFL players, and that's elite attributes in 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 certain areas. There are not many players that have. I think Andy Collins described it as um, having speed endurance, where they can run at a really really fast pace for a long time. Um, And Isaac Smith has that ability uh, and Lockie Bramble has that ability. But I think what also Lockie Bramble has is his ability to run at full tilt and hit targets off both feet. I think he's a beautiful kick of the football in a team in the last few years that hasn't had enough beautiful kicks of the football. So I know we started to draft Cam McKenzie's and Josh Ward's and um, Will Day's who are all good kicks of the footy as well. But um, we need good ball users more than anything else. And, um, and, and Lockie Bramble is definitely that. So he's got endurance, he's got speed and he's got, um, he's got foot skills. And I think they are weapons that should be used off a, off a halfback flank uh, or on a wing. And I know that 
you know, and this is going to be slightly controversial, but I know Harry Morrison had a good year last year, but if you gave me the option of playing either Harry Morrison or Lockie Bramble uh, week in, week out at AFL level, I would take Lockie Bramble every day of the week. And that's not a slight on Harry Morrison. Um, I just think Harry Morrison is is okay and a decent AFL footballer, but I think Lockie Bramble can, and maybe not all the time, he's not as consistent, but he has, his upside is much, much greater. And I think if we're looking at wing spots, he'd be one of my first um, picks ahead uh, alongside Carl Amon. I think with uh, a lot of Hawthorne people admire Wade Morrison. He had a pretty good season, Morrison, but I think, and he, he's an absolute lock. And Brad's been big on this, you know, picking the round one team versus the round 2014. He's a lock to play round one, Harry Morrison. But I think most Hawthorne people would look and say, let's hope he's not in the team for round one 2024. You'd like to think that few would go past him. And the, 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 the exciting young talent. I mean, Amon slots into one wing straight away. Weddle could be on the other wing for example, or Bramble, because they can't all be halfbacks. So maybe Bramble and Amon are your two wings come late in 2023 and certainly round one 2024. So he's, I think defensively he's got a bit of work to do, Bramble. I mean, people still think that the draw against Richmond in the last game of 2021 was uh, because Bramble did some horrible things defensively when Richmond was starting to come back. So that was a while ago now. But, uh, yeah, he's got, he's got major upside with his, uh, with his sort of speed through... Uh, through mid, through off half back, and when he backs himself in and, and, and line breaking, and Hawthorne doesn't have that doesn't have that many line breakers. So, yeah, he, uh, we, I think he's forgotten to play a bit because he didn't play a whole lot of footy last year. And just as he started to come good, he got injured again, and he had the slow start and the and the, and the early finish, like a lot of, like a lot of blokes at Hawthorne. So, yeah, a bit of a sleeper going to this year. Daz, any thoughts on on uh, Bramble? Yeah, I, th- I think I think you've kind of touched on it there in terms of the versatility of some of these players. Just being able to play, you know, swing between half back and the wing, and then you've got Day being able to do the same, and um, you know, Weddle, who knows where he'll play. There's just just a lot of great versatility in the team, and I think Bramble fits that mould as well. I think there's obviously things that he needs to work on, but I think we're all forgetting how good a preseason he had um, and how he was just primed before that really cruel injury to. To, to be one of our, pre, you know, most exciting. I think if we were doing this podcast before the start of last, of this season, we would have said, um, we would have all had Lockie Bramble in our top five. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a really left field choice, Danny, but, but uh, I back it for sure. And who's the one player that uh, Cade Simpson raved about already when his first interview at Hawthorne? Was Cade, uh, was, uh, was Lockie Bramble. So, um uh, you just sent a photo. Give you <laughs> what is that photo you sent through? Giving it to oh no, I just sent it into in the WhatsApp group. It's our last training session of the year, and uh, and Fiona O'Hara has made it um, a very memorable one. He's split himself open, and the top of his head he's bleeding all down his arm. So That's it's really not a uh, it's not Tom Mitchell broken leg areas, but uh, I thought it was worth sharing. That's Sorry, really the timing wasn't perfect. Yeah, yeah, was timing. We're recording this in the uh, day Hawthorne doing the last training session for before the Christmas break. Okay, um, Daz, who's next on your list? Yeah, well, following on from Danny's, um, you know, left field suggestion, my next one is uh, going to be a big shock to everyone. It's Jai Newcomb. Um, and, yeah, no, of course we're all very excited about Jai. I don't really know what more needs to be said about him. 11 Brownlow votes in his first full year, podium finish at PCM. 
the number three on his back, the main man in, in midfield now, which, I, you know, that's the thing that kind of scares Best me a little bit. Best young player yeah. in the AFL, according to the AFL coaches. Best young player in the AFL, probably, you know, should have uh, done a bit better in the in the rising star. But, yeah, I, I just, the sky's the limit for Jai. And my biggest worry is that we've, it's just an unprecedented superstar story. Like this is not how it's supposed to happen. It's always, it's always the top picks and the, you know, you know, the heavily scouted players. And for a player to just slip through the cracks in this regard, you're just waiting for the wheels to, to kind of fall off. But it, it just seems like he's taken everything um, on on his shoulders. Got a really, really level temperament. He's the absolute star of the opening open training. I think every single kid was right into Giant. He's just become the face of our club in out of nowhere and in next to no time. So, of course, I'm excited about to see what he can do. Is he ready to be the number one midfield? Thirty odd games. Look up his stats now. He's played twenty nine games of league football. Uh, is he ready to be? He's now the number one midfield. Is he ready for that, Dan? I think ideally, if you were mapping it out for him, this is probably a year too early to be the number one midfielder. I think you'd want him to have 50 games under his belt before you were throwing that mantle on him. But you know what? He did it this year. He was the number one midfielder this year. Um, and he played, I think he played every game of the season, you know, and he was effectively a draftee this year, right? Like he played what? nine games or something um, or 10, 11 games last season in the back end of the year after being drafted mid-year. Um, yeah, I think, I think ideally we would have, we would have waited another year. We would have him coming in as our number one midfielder in 2024, but he's ready. And I, you know, Daz is right. I actually think, you know, we heard from yourself and Brad in a space earlier this year, Ash, that there was a, an assistant coach or a coach or some, some, somebody in Clubland that said that they think he's like Warple and he's peaked already and, and, and we'll see the decline basically of, of Jai Newcomb. But to me and to anybody that's watched Jai play at all throughout this year would know that and see that he's been adding things to his game when it looks like he might get found out in a certain area. He, he brings something new. And I think that's the sign of a great player. You know, they not only do they work on their deficiencies, they also make their strengths even greater. And he is fantastic at winning the ball in close. But he his kicking from round one to round 22 last year improved immeasurably. Um, now I think the only issue with his kicking is not his kicking itself. It's just sometimes he misexecutes because he's in two minds about what he wants to do with it. He'd be but, a bit overambitious sometimes. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think, I think because he's, he knows he's an incredibly penetrating kick of the footy, probably the most in our, the most penetrating kick in our midfield group. He thinks if I can clear this line of defenders, we're away here, and he tries for a little bit too much, you know. Uh, overambitious is a great word, Ash, you know. And, and I think once he realises he doesn't need to make every one the winning kick, sometimes it's okay just to have, you know, kick, kick it for, for, for a, you know, just for an advantage or whatever, um, then he'll be an even better player again. But, you know, I don't, I don't, see, I don't see any ceiling on John Newcomb. And I think, um, I think, he'll continue to get 
stronger and leaner and fitter and um, he will be an incredible player for the Hawks this year and he, he definitely will be our number one midfielder. My biggest concern though with Jai is I think clubs obviously were putting a lot a lot more work into him as the season went on but without Mitchell and O'Meara are they going to be you know is it, they're going to have someone sitting on Jai and then you know you know they've got our midfield covered and that's and I think that's where I'm what I'm concerned about. There's no obvious kind of, you know, foils or side, side men to, to, to kind of give him the chop out. I think you're right, but I think we'll be, the Hawthorne will be better in the rack. I think having better racks will partly overcome that as well. So the, 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 by having Reeves and Meek hopefully doing their thing, they'll know, well, if so-and-so's been sat on hard, there's other options and other ways to bring other midfielders into the play. So... They yeah. were hamstring when the team sat on like Windhag, I think St Kilda did a really good job on on uh Newcomb, certainly for the first half of one of the games last year. I think the first or second time Hawthorne played St Kilda. But no, we didn't have decent rucks, it hurt, but I yeah. think that can overcome that now. Yeah, yeah no, that's absolutely right. I think if you had a look at because that was one of the re, one of the things that we were so chuffed about in the post-game review is he actually went forward that game and he kicked a couple of goals and had a hand in a couple of others as well. So he showed a different string to his bow there too. But I think also it it, it adds further weight to the absolute need of um, of James Warple to have a successful season next year because um, the decks have been cleared. It was Tom Mitchell that was in the way of him, right? Yeah. That's why he couldn't get to his 2019. Warple's um, top of my list of who I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's put up or shut up time now, isn't it? Because the decks have been cleared, and he's got a free he's got a free runway to make that midfield spot his own. Um, let's see if he can do it. Because if he can, that'll be huge for Jai because he won't have to carry that whole load himself. And if it's not Warple, then it has to be Cooper Stevens or somebody like that. So um, he needs a running mate. I think, Daz, you're absolutely right. Um, if, if it's just him, teams will sit on him. And um, that's not fun for anybody, let alone a young player in his third season. And some of Warple's best work is in close. He, he's, the blocking and the scrapping and what have you to, 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 allow, to allow more offensive midfielders to do their work. So I think they'll have some strategies in place where if teams are putting work into uh, into Newcomb, then this is what Warple's job will be. And he's got smart midfield coaches, I think, at the club to to, to, uh, to make him work for that. Okay, we've got time for a couple more. Uh, da- uh, who's next on your list, uh, Danny? So my last, my last one is um, Cam McKenzie. And it's Cam McKenzie because... He's our number seven draft pick from the most recent draft. We've got to be excited about seeing what this guy can bring. Um, I, th- I think there's, um, I think because he's not necessarily the most flashy type, um, we are not maybe that excited about him. Whereas Weddle has this pace, this power, this physique, this unknown factor about him. But I, I think if you look at, if you look at what McKenzie's done over the course of this year in a team with, some real star power around him. He's consistently one of the best midfielders, um, no matter what level he played at, whether it was school level, NAB league level, um, national championships, averaging, you know, 25, 28 touches, kicking goals, laying tackles, winning contested ball. I think he's criminally underrated as a contested ball winner. Uh, And he may not start in the middle, um, but he will play some midfield minutes, I think, later on in his first season because at 187, 188 centimetres and 85 kilos or whatever he will be come, come round one, um, he's ready for it. And, uh, and, and a, I think Mitchell, did Mitchell point out 
at the AGM or on the on that live Zoom that he needs to work on his left foot kicking. I think it was, yeah, um, but his, his life about yeah, it doesn't have a left foot. But um, and look, you know, Mitchell Sam can say that right because you know he he turned his left and right foot into being as good as as the other. So um, you know, he definitely has the high high moral high ground there, and he can he can make a call like that. But if he can develop a left foot, he's uh, Cam McKenzie's right foot is a beautiful. He's a beautiful user of the footy. So um, I'm really excited to see. Um, him play, and I, I wonder. And I'm going to throw this one at you, Ash. Can you play two debutants in the round one team at the same time? Because you've already said that Josh Weddle's starting, but can Cam McKenzie start with him? Last year, Ward and McDonald played round one, so it will be it'll be really interesting. I think Weddle's got more of an obvious spot beside round one. I think than McKenzie does. So McKenzie might have to earn some strikes through Box Hill. Uh, someone I know who watches a lot of APS footy. Uh, reached out to me and said Mackenzie's an absolute jest. So, um, and APS footy is a bloody high standard of uh, pathway footy. So, I think they've found a, uh, he'll be a good player. He fits the Hawthorne mould and ticks all the boxes, doesn't he? Private schoolboy uh, who backed for Hawthorne. Um, so, he's the traditional, well, even though it's in the Bayside, uh, traditional values of the Bayside is a new Hawthorne heartland anyway, given the move to Dingley. Shout out to Patrick, who I'm sure is listening. Um, Darren, your last player. Well, my last player, at the risk of sort of um, picking another recruit, and as as excited I am about the likes of Josh Ward playing in that second year, and um, some of our other new draft picks, it's, it's Carl Amon, and um, I think it's just such a smart recruit. I think he's the right age profile to come in and and be a sort of um, leader in the, in the club and show some of our young players how it's done. He's coming off the best year in his career, um, polling 15 votes in the Brownlow. Um, I think he was all Australian the year before, but I think last year was just was terrific. Um, absolutely carved us up every time he plays against us and just the exact kind of play that we've been crying out for since um, the likes of Isaac Smith left the club. Um, we need that that you know speed on the wings, that smart ball use, um, delivery in the forward fifteen. Amon's got all of that in spades, and um, I'm just really excited excited to see what he brings because I, th- I think he's um, just sort of the, the the perfect player in the play that we really need to bring into the club now. Strikes me the player is sort of built for both the MCG and Tassie. Danny, that he's sort of the, the long striding, the loss to run, suited for those grounds in particular. And, uh, you know, Hawthorne's wings have never, you know, the golden era of Hawthorne was uh, Bradley Hill on one wing and Isaac Smith on the other. And, you know, the last few years, they haven't had Smith into a couple of the other, neither of them, I think, it's a sign of, of perhaps getting something, starting to rebuild that part of the ground. Absolutely, I think um, the stadium over in the west is a is a beautiful one for Carl as well. If we ever head over there, um, open space, let him go and do his thing. Um, he is a phenomenal user of the football. He is a goal kicking midfielder. He, um, you know, I think I think Mitchell and McKenzie both talked about playing him through the middle as, a, as an out-and-out midfielder as well. I think he does his best work as an outside midfielder and a wingman, but um, it's good to have midfield options and rotations. And um, 
he also comes in at that right age bracket where we've cleared out a lot of the older players. We need to have some experience. So um, bringing in Carl, uh, another great pl- a player and a great person um, and a really good Indigenous leader in um, coming through the football club is, is massive. And just another one of those um, players that we seem to get from Port Adelaide every couple of years just to keep topping up our export list. Um, you need to have a certain quota on our list at any given time, I think. Uh, speaking of Port Adelaide, a couple of players I want to quickly mention before we finish up. Uh, one is the Chad, who has had one decent pre-season through four at Hawthorne. Uh, so far, and it's only been a few weeks, he's four reports in ripping Nick. The test for Wingard will be, it tends to be sometime in mid-February to late February. That's when he's, that's his witching hour. That's when his uh, hamstrings tend to go ping and he gets falls behind in his preparation. And, and it, it ended up ruining his season. So what they've done differently with him, whether Peter Bird just taking him on as a project and totally changed his, uh, his preparation. And the smart thing they did with Wingard was you know, basically put him into cotton wool after the bye last year and say, no, it's actually you're more important to us the full pre-season than playing in meaningless games over the last four weeks of the season. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what they do because he, he adds to that midfield mix as well. You know, he's, he doesn't have the body or the stamina to be a long-term midfielder anymore. But as a burst midfielder, if we, we go back to those golden four weeks, don't we, boys, in late 2021, when he formed briefly reached the levels of did at Port Adelaide, and he was a magical player. And he did some sublime work in the midfield. So I think they would love – that's where the midfield – talk about the Hawthorne midfield, that's where the class will come from, if they can get a fit Wittengard in there for – I don't know, Danny, Dan, was it five, six minutes a quarter? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Get him in there for five, six minutes a quarter. It's going to make all the difference to the midfield. Because I think he has this unique ability that he's actually really good contested player as well as being um, a beautiful deliverer of the football. Um, so he, he can do both. And there are not many players that can do both. He, he can win his own ball in, inside, but then he, he magics his way out of the contest really well um, and, and is the sort of player that our forwards, Mitch Lewis, uh, will be wanting to have the footy um, running towards him. So, um, yeah, if we can get five minutes a quarter, 20 minutes a match out of him as a midfielder, I think, you know, a couple of centre bounces here or there, that's, that's huge. We, we give up the idea of, of Chad Wingard playing as a full-time midfielder because his body can't handle it. But um, as a burst, I think, you know, that's, that's how you get the best out of him. Last time I would mention briefly is the Denver Granger Burras. This will be the year we find out whether he was worth the number six pick in the draft or whether the Hawks wished on that pick. Uh, I've got no reading on him after two years as to how good he can be. You know, his best game was his first game. I think it's, it's been downhill ever since. Um, but he's an intriguing, he's an intriguing prospect. Um, if again, if he can stay injury free, he'll need to bulk up a bit. But his judgment, his ability to read the play, you know, there, there are real signs there um, that he could be. He's never the defensive hulking monster, um, but he's certainly got so much to add to the mix if they can get him fit and firing. Daz, where are you on the DGB train? Uh, it's it's a tough one because, honestly, key position players, we're just so we're so impatient with them now. You know, back in the day, it was sort of, you know, five, six years in the system and then you, you could see what they, what they were made of. And now, you know, people want results the first 
few years. I think the biggest comparison to me is someone like Gibkiss from Richmond who's just, you know, come in and slotted into the side and been a really, really good player for them. Could just be a first year, you know, one of those first year flukes and then he then he kind of drops back a bit. But, you know, Grange Barras, uh, I have my concerns about where he's at in, in terms of his development. Um, I'm just not seeing this, this, this sort of things that we drafted him for. And in the vision and the um, sort of ability to read the play, it's not so much about his physicality. So I think it's it's a big year for him. And obviously the high draft pick, there's a lot of expectations. And, and, and I think maybe that if he was, you know, somewhere in the second round, we'd probably be quite happy with his development. But because he is such a high draft pick, we're expecting a lot soon from him. Um, but I think the coaches will, they're, they're going to block out the noise and just let him do his thing. And if it happens this year or it happens the year after, um, they'll, they'll, give him the, they'll give him a chance. Yes. Thank you, uh, gentlemen, for, for that. That's been our Players to Watch podcast, the first of our summer series. Uh, keep clicking back to your regular podcast providers and the Substack for more summer specials over the next few weeks as we uh, keep talking Hawthorne through the quiet time of the year. This will probably drop before Christmas. So everyone's listening, have a safe and Merry Christmas and a good New Year. Look after yourselves. Don't do anything rash because we want to keep talking to you in the New Year. So thank you, Danny. Thank you, Ash. Thank you, Darren. Thanks, Asher. It was a lot of fun. It was, um, it was good. enjoyable. Yeah, Plenty more everyone... subjects I've got for the next few. And don't worry if you want your fix of Mora and your fix of Brad and your fix of Weesey, they will be taking part in these as well over the next few weeks. So thanks for listening. Thanks for your support of Hawks Insiders. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon.